All right, Coach, you ready? Yes. All right, let's do this. Street gospel, light of the temple. Short swing, killer live from the ghetto. The hood messenger, let him know hell's close. Black burial, the devil in a black cloak. Street gospel, light of the temple. Short swing, killer live from the ghetto. The hood messenger, let him know hell's close. Black burial, the devil in a black cloak. Yo, what is up? Welcome to the Street Gospel Podcast. I'm your host, Dave One. And this is a special bonus episode. I know this is my first bonus episode. Matter of fact, this is my first podcast uh, via Zoom online. You know, so it's a little different for me, but I had to do it for this guy. There was just, I couldn't let this opportunity pass. We'll get into that a little bit more, but. You all know out there when I do my podcast, I got to play a little bit of music. So uh, I got a little bit of music for this for this guy, for my intro for him. So, you know, he's uh, he's from the hood. He's from South Central, you know, so so we connect a little bit right there. He's a hooper. Uh, more importantly, he's a brother in the Lord. He is a father, a husband. A coach, a mentor. I mean, he he does it all here. I mean, he he preaches. I saw a little bit of singing on the show. I mean, it, that that was probably the least of what you do, coach. The singing was kind of not, oh, not all that, oh, but yeah. but it was good. It was it was good. I mean, it was serviceable. The Lord hears it, and he's he's thankful for it. But uh, without further ado, I want to introduce the coach. Of the East LA College Huskies. Everybody out there, give it up for Coach John Mosley. <laughs> what Yo, is uh, up, Dave, Coach? what's up, man? I, uh, <laughs> you know, appreciate being on here, man. You know, I've been speaking with several uh, people, podcasts, interviews, but I'm always excited when I get to uh, step into the realm of other believers. I get excited because the the spirit that that dwells in us is kind of uh, we, you know it communicates you know right uh, sometimes sometimes you got to be careful uh, with what you say and you try not to offend people but I don't worry about offending you because uh, you know you'll be excited about about what you know what's on my heart you right know? Uh, not everybody is excited but what's on our heart is is, uh, is 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 God's business that's it. I think I think the most thing, Coach, with me when 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 I watch the show. If y'all don't know out there, Coach is on Last Chance You. On it's a Netflix series. Uh, they've done it with football, but Coach here is uh, is a basketball coach, and it was the first time they did it. And and you know I'm from Southeast. Uh, my wife went to East LA College. Uh, you know I have a lot of family and friends that went there. Uh, so it, it it really resonated with me in the, in the neighborhood. But what mostly resonated with me, Coach was that you were authentic. And I'm not saying no coaches prior prior to, you know, I watch all the series, you know, uh, prior to you being on were authentic, but there was something that resonated and you can tell it was real. I mean, game recognized game, real recognized real. And I could tell, Coach, that you really had a passion, not only to coach, but to love those kids, those guys. Yeah, you know when they when they reached out to me, I thought I was like, dude, I'm gonna be boring because 
I'm gonna just be like normal. Like I can't act fake. I, I don't know. It may is it a LA thing? Is it a hood thing? <laughs> we just can't be fake. No. And you know, my wife kind of gets upset with me. She'd be like, "You need to articulate better." You know, she's a teacher. And, but sometimes <laughs> the hood just comes out, and I just can't be. It's just something no. about me. I can't be fake because I recognize fake. I didn't want to do like I had gotten to a point. You know, when we younger. We want to be popular and we want to be, yeah. you know, all that. And we want to be movie stars. And then when you get to a point where you kind of get into your, your family and your life and serving God, that you're like, that stuff is not important anymore. No. So I, so when they approached me, I was like, man, if y'all would have got me in my 20s, I would have been all over it. I don't <laughs> want to do that, you know. But right. uh, what's interesting is uh, I was talking with a junior college coach. We were in Dallas. And he actually coaches, he's a believer at uh, San Bernardino Valley College. He says, Quincy Brewer, he says, man, I, I mentioned it to him. It was kind of a secret. He said, man, you got to do it, man. You got to. I was like, yeah, but what if I do something? Like, man, I can't be entertaining like those guys, those other coaches. <laughs> I don't know. I can't do that. Right. And then he says, no, man, you got to share what you're doing. That's your platform. I'm like, well, I guess I literally walk outside the gym and I call my pastor and I'm like, I'm thinking he's going to say, oh, no. No, 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 no. Right. We, we don't want to do that, you know? And, you know, I'm thinking he's going to say, hey, we just want to serve God. You know, when we talk about as believers, we believe that what we do behind closed doors, God will reward openly. Sure. But what we do out mm-hmm. in the open, that's our reward right there is because we Wh- did it yeah. in front of everybody. Which so is I'm, totally contrast. Yeah, so I'm that, yeah. Which is yeah. totally contrast so to the world. Let me be humble. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead, Coach. I'm going to be humble. I'm thinking that my pastor is going to say, let's be humble. Let's do things behind closed doors. Let's serve behind closed doors. He's like, no. He says, share that platform. Share how you minister and how you reach out to others. And I'm thinking like, man, what if I do something to get fired or whatever? He said, no, nah, brother. He said, look, man, you are predestined and God called you to mm. minister. And whatever you do, because you live your life out a certain way, your life is going to be lived out on it. And he said, and if God shuts the door at East LA College, then he's going to open another one. And so with that, you know, my pastor kind of convinced wow. me, you know, because you're hearing a lot of people say, man, I would never do that. They go, you might get fired. You're going to say the wrong thing. But I, but we didn't. And, you know, God's hands was on the editors. God's hands was on the pro- producers where they saw like they, they told me, they said, John, look, don't worry. It's not going to be a you. Uh, I got you moment. Like, oh, we caught him. Right. They said it's going to be a reflection of who you are and what you stand for. And so I just trusted that God had his, and he had his hand on it. And I think he moved in the sense that it wasn't like, I, and it was, I wasn't over the top with, well, I was a little bit, but they, they cut it up with this because I was throwing scripture. I was preaching, but they, you know, God's hand was on it where it was the right amount where we didn't turn anybody off. I, I and, think, I mean, I, I, think, I think coach, that's exactly what I was going to say, because, you know, I was thinking coaches, Coach is preaching. Coach mm-hmm. is sounding like a pastor. You know, this mm-hmm. is sounding like church, which which a good a good pastor does sound like a coach, and a good coach mm-hmm. does sound like a pastor sometimes. But I mm-hmm. thought, I thought, co- I, that's what I think. What 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 resonated with me is because you really the the, the love of Christ really came out. The the, mm-hmm. the 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 care and concern use that word a lot in there you, that you were concerned, at, which, which resonated with me too because. That's what my dad used to always say. He says, I'm concerned for your soul. 
And and you were concerned that those guys make it out of the hood, make it to to a four year college, get an education, and do well and better for themselves. And I was thinking, it was the perfect place, like you said, because I think you were able to cast out some spirits. <laughs> that what? And I was thinking, Coach, that is him, because a lot of people would have said the cameras are on me. You know, if I'm over here praying and casting out spirits in, in this locker room of division and everything, then I might I might not get that next big job. And so I was like, nah, this guy is not overthinking it. I mean, most people in their regular workplace won't even say, hey, you know, coworker, let me pray for you. But here you were everywhere. And it, and it was accepted. In this day and age, it was accepted. I, I haven't heard any negative feedback on that, coach. Yeah, which I'm still waiting because, you know, we <laughs> wrestle not against flesh and blood, but it's the enemy. Right. So there's a, there's, there's a, there's a, there's, he, I think he's trying to figure out his next plan. So I'm staying guarded and girded in the word because there, there, there is a plan of attack that I'm sure will come. But I think because we have so much going on, I was, I worried. I said, Hey, there's so many interest groups. People are going to be offended since the pandemic everybody's voice on social media is out everybody for black lives matter this you know now we got the asians there's so many groups we right. have the, the transgenders the, the lgtb we have all of these groups that have a message now and i was worrying about offending but god's hand was on it and so now i believe in, in my opinion i believe that because everybody speaks so loud of their whatever interest they have that we were allowed or God was allowed to, well, he's always allowed, but the message that came through me that God wanted to share, it was able to speak loud and, uh, and it it was unfiltered as well. So I, you know, I was amazed. Let me tell you something. When, when God calls you to do something, uh, there's a wrestling that goes inside because as a human, you don't want to do it as, as a, and, and you, you wonder like, Lord, are you sure and so there was times where I was like, well, Lord, I got a cool little life now. Like, like, why did, why did I commit to that? Like a I'm a coach. Life. I finally got tenure. My son and my daughters are doing well in sports. My wife, this is happy. I got a great life. Took me a while to get here. And now I got it. I literally, Dave, I would, I was right before it came. I started it and right before it came out. So before I started it two times and, and people know that when leadership, when God calls you to do something, that's going to be impactful. I literally would, you know, was in my bed. It may have been a weekend or something. And I was literally shaking. Mm. Like, Lord, why did you? I'm literally like shaking. Like, Lord, why did you call me to do this? Like, why? What am I doing? And I'm literally like shaking and sweating. Like, why did you? Why did you have me do this? Like, and then right before it came out, they were like, yeah, the trailer's going to come out in a month. And I was like thinking about all of the wrong that right. could happen. And I'm literally shaking like, Lord, why did you have me do this? My life was good, you know, uh, but God had his, his his plan and he knew what he was doing. And, you know, it may be one or two, but it appears like people all over the world in terms of the feedback that I got said that we kind of inspired not what I was most, you know, hopefully it led uh, it, it planted seeds that can lead people to Christ. Right. But the biggest thing is the fellow believers they felt empowered to share. I, that's true. Share. That's true. And I think that's 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 what I'm just giving praise and glory to God because the fellow believers felt 
like, you know what? We all need to stand bold. And right. I got so many responses like, thank you for for being bold. I feel that I need to be bold now and share our faith authentically. It's, share it's, it's, not just shove it down people's throat. It's so true, Coach. Uh, I had a I had a friend. I had watched the series. We we you know we did the binge watch thing. We were like we we're on it, man. We we're just like this guy, and it, it just got better and better. And uh, I had a friend. He's a he's a he's a a school teacher. He's passionate. He he te- went back to teach at his high school that he graduated from. He's all about the kids, getting kids out. He's from in Fontana. He's trying to get these kids out of these neighborhoods, get them into college. That's all he wants to do. He can probably make a lot of money somewhere else. This guy texts me. We binge watched it. About a week later, he texts me and he goes, hey, Dave, this guy's the real deal. And he sends me a picture of you. And I said, Coach Mosley. And I said, yeah. And he goes, dude, I'm inspired. I'm inspired, man. He stood up for what's right. and, and, And he showed those kids that he really loved them. He goes, man, I'm fired up because he was he was a little down about a lot of things going on in the world. He's he's a white guy that grew up poor, that everybody looks at him as being white, you know, and, and, and he, he's like, I grew up just as poor as everybody else, man. He goes, and I went back to my high school where I could have moved on somewhere else and I taught. So he was really in, inspired by that coach. And he's a believer. He loves God. He shares the love of God at, at school. And, and we needed that. I mean, we needed that. I think everybody was like, look. And I, for me, I was like, this dude is real. He's from the hood. He's been there. He's done that. And 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 I think, Coach, that was the main thing. Is your is your 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 job, is it more of a job to you or is it more of a ministry? And I ask that because you're Coach Mosley, but you're also Deacon Mosley. Yeah. Well, if it was, uh, it's more of a, a ministry to me. Because when I first started, it wasn't paying much as a part-time. But the same energy I had have now is the same energy I had then. And I wasn't doing it because there was other opportunities I had. I really wasn't doing it for the pay because I probably should have done something else. But when I got the opportunity, I said, well, let me be a head coach. And I saw the, the lives that I can connect with. It wasn't so much of a business because – Nobody's paying attention to these community college young men. But I saw, like, wow, I can still coach basketball. I can minister and have impact on lives. Because guess what? Nobody's caring about them as much. Right. There's some people that care, but nobody's caring about them as much. So nobody could care less if I share the gospel with them or not. Right. Like, nobody cares. You know, <laughs> hey, if I'm at one of the major universities, they may run up to me and say, hey, don't share the gospel because, you know, we're all, we're this – university and right it's uh that's not something we want to rep nobody cares so i just snuck it in kind of you know what i'm saying because nobody cares right nobody cares about these kids you go to the high school level you got the parents that say hey you know what it'd be you know if we feel uncomfortable by how you are and then i have to take a step back you know that's fine i'm not trying to shove it down but i'm looking around i'm like wait a minute you know Nobody's helping these kids. If Nobody cares. If anybody needs it, it's these guys, right? It's I mean, these guys. So it, it kind of felt that way. And it, 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 that's where I, I draw from in terms of energy and, and the Lord has is, is moved. And then now the Lord has put me in a position where I got a, I got a job here. They said, oh, they'll never hire you full-time there. 
but God, I, I mean, that's a, a whole nother segment on how God moved at this place. And this is where he wanted me to not only just minister, but he said, okay, I'm a, I'm a now because of what you did, you were a good steward of that. Yes. Now I'm going to pay you a salary. Uh, now God gave me a salary here, which is a faculty salary, which is amazing. Now my wife can, she's looking at me like, Hey, I'm ready to go home now. I can stop teaching now, right? Because you got a decent salary. So you were uh, you were faithful in the small things, and God rewarded you with, with something big, man. Yeah, but and the, he didn't, the mindset yeah. was still there. The, the mindset, the there. work ethic was still there. You still put in the work. I, I want to go to one scene, Coach. That was uh, probably the most powerful scene. I'm sure everybody's told you that, but it was that weight room scene, and mm-hmm. you had brought up about that you missed your own kids' games. You know, that, you know, some of the guys were lackadaisical in there, just whatever. And and that was a powerful scene. I think that that really touched a lot of people's hearts because a lot of people don't see that part of the coach. You know, parents don't see that part of the coach that are that are involved there. They kind of think, you know, I can tell this guy whatever I want, but they don't think that this that like a coach has a life outside of basketball, you know, and that, that goes from, you know, the, the, the little leagues all the way up to, to you know, the college. But you really touched some, a lot of lives when you talked about that and, and said, I give up my time. I give up my family. I, I miss my kids' games. I mean, how rough is that as a coach and then as a father and as a husband? Yeah. So so I've gotten a, a few comments on this because let me – I want to clear up that, yeah, it is my job to be there. But – it's the player's job to be there as well. So the issue is they were upset because I'm trying to organize and really put together this extra. All of these things, you're mad at me because I'm committed to, to excellence. Right. They're upset with me. And not only that, but yeah, I'm, I'm committed and I have to give up going to my son's game, all the extracurricular. I could have still made it that late, but I stayed and lift weights. Okay. So I still could have made it to his game. Um, and we were just going through it at the moment. Uh, when they asked me, I think what happened is one of the players, we had won a game and they were like, coach, you got the, the, the beads of sweat on your head. <laughs> I, I think remember. it was Malik and Mark Bolin. They said, yeah. coach, you got the sweat. You, you you okay now? Because they, they always say, because I'm all so intense, like, come on, let's go. They're like, coach, we won the game, man, relax. You got the, the sweat bead and, <laughs> you know, they're like, you okay, coach? You all right now, coach? And then I had to pause because really I wasn't okay because of the way we performed. I mean, we won the game, but I was like, right. I paused. I was like, but since you're going to ask me, I'm concerned. Yes. Because I'm trying to, help you guys and you guys are still uh, coach I'm concerned like dude I'm trying to say we bring you in here to do weights there's no not many coaches that'll say they're like game over I'm trying to hurry up and get home right I'm trying to do weights to maintain your strength so that we can maintain this advantage I could have went home and took my wife out to dinner and all that no I'm sitting up here now we go into 10 11 at night when it doesn't affect you much more, but it actually helps. Yeah. And a lot of people ask about, well, it wasn't a mental thing. It, it has nothing to do with, oh, let's be tough and lift weights. No, it's scientific. Let's get these weights in because guess what? 
we play on Friday. That was a Wednesday night, if I believe, if I spoke That was a Wednesday night. If we go home and then we come back Thursday, well, we can't lift Thursday. No. And then you can't lift Friday. But guess what? If we lift right after the game, which only takes 15, 20 minutes, yep. now we can maintain strength. And guess what? It's it's right after a game, so you just play. So you really only add if we if we play 20 minutes, if you played, some guys didn't even play. But if you get the lift in, now guess what? You maintain your strength. So my point was we're organizing, we're structured, and we have a, a method to the badness, and you're mad at all of the details that we're trying to cover. Mm. So I'm trying to cover all of this. I'm trying to run it like a Division One program. NBA guys do it all the time. Right. A lot of NBA guys, because they play so many games to maintain their condition and their strength, they have to do things right after the game so that we don't see. An NBA player will play a game 10 or 15 minutes. Some guys who come off the bench, they'll work out right after because they got, they got a game the next or two days from now. They can't do it the day before the game. So that's the point I was making. And I'm like, man, you guys are mad at me for committing to you. Mm. And you guys need to feel that, that they needed to feel that. And, and us coaches, there's some people that, that are not, you know, as committed. And here we are committed. And you're complaining about these details that we're committed to. That's, that's, that's a, you're exactly on point. I, I know I saw, I did see in, in some of the little uh, posts on, People were like, well, why are you lifting after the game? It does make sense. Scientifically, if you lift Thursday, you're going to be sore Friday, right? Right. You're gonna, yeah. You got Thursday to recover, and then we're ready for our game Friday. So it totally makes sense. But the concern part and, and the part of – that was just – you can feel it. It was real. It was sincere. You know, like I said earlier, you know, when you when people know that, that you're concerned, that you love them, then that's when they, they start realizing like, okay – you know, and and you made a great quote, classic quote. I think that's how we connected too. Is rules without relationship cause rebellion, and it, it kind of goes back to if people know that you care and that you love them, they're gonna listen to you. Now, if you come in and you start slapping the rules on, laying the law down, they ain't gonna receive it. But if they know you care and you built that relationship and there's a trust there, uh, they'll receive what you have to say. Right, coach. And it, it doesn't have any, the response that Joe had, it had nothing to do with basketball or an officiating call. It had to do with what was really going on in his life. Because it doesn't make sense for Joe to want to play basketball, but then respond that way. It doesn't make sense because he wants basketball. So it, he's not going to sabotage basketball unless there's something else going on. And so if you know what's going on and you say, well, Coach Mosley, huh? even my aunts, man, after they saw the show, they said, boy, I'm going to slap you in the head if you don't slap Joe in the head for the way he's acting. Uh, <laughs> but you got to know what's going on in his personal life uh, to be able to help him. And if you don't, you come and you, you know, crack the whip automatically. You, you assuming there's this stereotype. If a young man walks into your classroom and I share with faculty members, they have me on these discussions all the time. Coach Mosley, come and share with us how can we help with some of these minority young men or just young men in general. It doesn't mean they could be black, brown, whoever it is. How can we help? Well, first of all, when he walks through that classroom door with his hoodie on, 
with his head in his cell phone, with his earphones on, and he goes and he sits in the back of the class, puts his head down. Don't assume that he's rebelling against the class. It doesn't make sense for him to walk in the class and not want to A. He wants to A. But when he walks in and you say, well, he's looking like that, that kid doesn't want to be educated. Mm. He doesn't want to grade. He doesn't want... Why would he come to class if he doesn't want to A? He doesn't want to grade. He doesn't want a degree and graduate. Why would he come to class? Okay, why would he come to class? It doesn't make sense. Well, he's walking in that way. Figure out what happened, why he walks in that way. What happened to him at home? What did it take for him to get here? What did he have to go through? Did he have to hop on the train with no money? Now there's a level of guilt because he's running from the train police because he's trying to get to school and maybe he and he didn't have anything to eat at home and he's hungry. So now because he's hungry, his blood sugar is low and he's sitting in the back. He doesn't have energy to engage. And maybe like one of my players who got kicked out of his class one time, who came to class that way, maybe his 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 mom in the middle of the night at 2 a.m., his mom, mom's boyfriend got into a fight with the mom and he's and the boyfriend is beating on the mom. The then he jumps in and they get into a fight with the boyfriend and the boyfriend cracks him on the head with the with the trophy. His head is bleeding. He goes to the hospital and he gets stitches. He's got a concussion, but he still shows up to class and he's got a hoodie on. And you're saying that kid doesn't want to learn. That's look at him. That's why they don't have success. Because look at him. Well, if you knew what he went through that night then you would know. So my question is, hey man, why did you show up to class like that? You know that the instructor is gonna stereotype you. I don't know, coach, I don't know, man. I'm just, you just what? What happened, bro? What's going on? This happened, X, Y, Z. So now you find out what happened and now I have compassion. And now I gotta go tell this instructor, look, this is why. Or a math instructor where a kid shows up every day and the teacher says, well, you know what? This kid is rude and he shows up every day and he doesn't speak. He doesn't talk in class. I said, but is he there every day? Yeah, he's there every day. Mm. Okay. Um, well, what's going on? Do you know that this kid is special ed and he really doesn't know how to communicate? Oh, coach, that makes sense. Because every time he walks right past me and he just kind of rolls his eyes, I said, because he's insecure with himself because he got a learning disability. So he's insecure. So there's a front, right? Yeah. He's tall and he's six, nine, but guess what? He's always been the biggest in the class. And you know what happens when you're the biggest in the class? Everybody assumes you're a 30 year old. So if you're in middle school and you're six, one in middle school, everybody assumes that you're mature because yeah. you're bigger than the teacher. That's an assumption. But guess what? You got a learning disability and you're a baby in your mind. Your mind operates like a fifth fifth grader. And they're expecting you to respond like an adult because you're 6'1 as a seventh grader. And now your whole life you're going through when everybody expects you to respond. Now you're 6'9 in college and you have this imposing presence, but you still have a ninth grade education level they expect you to respond like a college player so you walk through the door the assumption is 
you should be responding like, no, I have a learning. He has a learning disability. Did you consider that? Wow. And when I explained that to an instructor, all of a sudden her heart changed and she helped him through the math. So that's what we're talking about with the relationship, understanding before you pass judgment, find out what's going on first. Now, there are some cases, Dave, where guys act out. Sure. And I got to check them. Like, no, man, you ain't dealing with that, man. You know, you need to you need to change. Right. Yeah. Matter of fact, I'm a discipline. You need to change that. Hey, coach, you know, with with that said, do you think, you know, I, I, I always had my dad's voice right in the morning, you know, to get up early, go to work, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, my son has my voice. And I say that men that do not are, are, are young men that grow up and don't have that voice. They're missing something. So when they go to school, when the coach starts yelling at them, they can't handle it because they haven't heard that voice. My son's heard that voice since he's a little kid. Get up boy. Let's get the yeah. let's get the trash going. You know, yeah. hey, what are you doing? Why why are you why are you talking like that? Don't be talking like that. You know, man up. You know what I mean? And and then they go to work. You know, he goes to his job, and the boss could get mad at him, and and could yeah. say something to him, and he he takes it on the chin, and he keeps going. Is that what a lot of these young men, men in general, not just your players, but men in general, are missing that voice? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know what? I offend my players right away. And I say, look, I know the majority of us may have grown up in single parent homes. And I believe, you know, it's it's best for us to have both because you need both sides. I think God created us to both interact and have both sides in our home. I mean, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be a young man and you have to go out there and they're going to see you as a young man. And so life is going to attack you as a young man. And so you got to be able to respond as a man. And so we talk about our responses the whole time. That's part of the reason why I let him walk through the door and maybe let him act out as well, because I know maybe someone didn't show you how to respond. Right. And you're right. I had a dad at home. So that helped me. Yeah. But when I walked out the door, just like you, I saw other guys who didn't have a father at home and I saw how they responded. But I had a father at home that said, same thing, get up and cut the grass in the morning on Saturday morning. Right. Get up, take the trash. You didn't take the trash out. We got issues, you know. So I did have a dad to show me how to respond. And so I understand that some of these young men, you know what, they grew up and they have these strong, you know, families and strong grandmas and, 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 and strong mothers. And you know what, they done a phenomenal job right. in raising and and helping them get through education and, you know, helping them be good, good boys. But I'm just under the belief that sometimes uh, as a man, I can teach him how to be a man. Right. And so when they come to me, I understand that maybe they didn't get that. And I'm going to say, let me show you something. I'm a 47 year old. I don't know everything, but I know how you need to engage as a man to have success, how to respond as a man, uh, when issues and adversity go- comes. And so I let them act out. And then I just sit back and I say, look, that's not going to be acceptable uh, in the future. And I, I do offend them sometimes. And I say, man, I'm, mom has done a phenomenal job. Okay. And I know I could get in trouble for saying this, but mom has done a phenomenal job. But let me tell you, let me show you how you need to respond as a man. Right. Okay. Now you 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 didn't get into any trouble. 
You've done great education-wise. You, but sometimes just that, it's just that one piece that may be missing. Everything else is good, and in some cases, n- not. Yeah. But it's the one little piece. Just let me show you that one little piece that, you know, you've done good with everything else. Let me show you the one how you need to respond as an adult male to adversity when another man looks you in the eye and criticizes you. Mm. Don't get all crazy. Let me tell you how you accept that. You accept that criticism and then you calm your emotion and and you respond a certain way. Now, I'm not saying you get bullied, you get punked or any of that, but no, there is a certain level. You don't have to flip off after mouth and cuss somebody out and pout and complain. Let me show you how you got to respond. Otherwise, you won't be successful because you'll get you'll get your legs cut from under you if you respond that way as a male. Right. I mean, it, it's true. I mean, and, and, and like you said, it's nothing to, to put their mothers, their grandmothers down or anything. But there is, a, there is a few tangibles that they need to learn from a man. That could be a coach. That can be, you know, a, a, a pastor, somebody in the church, an uncle. But they got to learn some, some things of how to be a man. I always tell my wife, you know, if I get on my son, he's, he's looking to be 21 now. And uh, there's times when I get on him and she's like, she, she, she might butt in a little bit on the side a little bit. Hey, you're a little hard. I said, stop. I'm raising a man here. You know, yeah. I, I, I know what I'm doing. I know what my dad did to me, you know, so l- let me, let me do my job here. You can go yeah. and give him a little kiss on the cheek later and tell him you love him. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll go back and tell him that too. I go, but right mm-hmm. now, let me just, let me, let me be a little hard on him. And he'll, and he'll, he'll, he'll get a little hard and, and become that yeah. man we need him to be. So she yeah. she realizes that now, and uh, and she just shakes her head and she's like, "Sorry, son." <laughs> yeah. Hey, and we and 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 just as much they need those mothers there. Sure. They need that yeah. love. They need all of that that comes from their mother. Right. Just as all of that that comes from their mother. Put it like this, and I, and it's phenomenal because they've done it better than we have in terms of single parenting. Right. They they've done it. You know, better. But if it could be a lot better if we have both. Yes. It's a lot better if we have both. And, and, and my wife does some phenomenal things that I just, I just, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I don't know how to do. There's a, there's you know what I'm saying? We, She's we got some do. stuff I don't know how to do. But uh, very grateful that we're together. And I have the opportunity to show my son how to be a, a young man. And, and not only a young man, but an adult male that he's going to need to be in the future. Right. Coach, I, I, you mentioned your wife, and uh, I watched the series with my wife, and and she she loved the interactions that they showed on on, on the show. Uh, one of the things that that she she loved about it, and I loved about it, was you had mentioned being single is overrated. It's overrated. It's over. Right. It's so overrated, man. Um, I think our society and what the world puts out there is this is how. And it's just temporary. Those temporary pleasures outweigh what God intended uh, for us. The Bible says marriage is the grace of life. It's a gift that we don't deserve here on earth. That's what the Bible says. Marriage is an unmerited gift. It's a grace of life. But we celebrate that instant gratification or that temporary gratification of being promiscuous and uh, doing all of, you know, being with different people. Um, it's just what I believe, what God intended, uh, you know, uh, marriage to be. I just, I enjoy uh, having a family, uh, me and my wife. And I think if we point our direction towards God, 
if I point towards God or am growing towards God, if my wife is growing towards God, right. then we're going to eventually come together and meet together. A lot of people say, well, we just grew apart. And we, you know what? I'm not trying to grow towards my wife. I'm trying to grow towards God. And as we grow towards God, we grow together. We start here. Our marriage counselor said we start on two opposite ends and we love each other. And we got this puppy love. But where we start growing together is when we both grow towards God. And eventually we're going to meet up. We're, we're meeting closer and closer. We're getting closer and closer because I'm growing towards God and right. she's growing towards right. God. And I just think for me, that's just how I take it out. Everybody has their own way of how they want to live. But, you know, I'm going to go according to what the Bible says. And so far it's worked for me. And it's been great. And our family's I know. been great. I know. It, it, yeah. I like what you said, Coach, too. You said she's your dog. And I, yeah. I get that. And that's that's the way I feel. And and if you're doing, like you said, if, you, if you're both going towards God, there's something special there. And, and, and the love gets deeper and deeper. And, and, and I love what she said in the show, too, which was which was a beautiful thing. How how when you guys were early on, when she was going with you to the games, going, you know, hanging out with you, you made the best of every time you guys had together. You know, a yeah. lot of couples think that, you know, we got to go on a fancy date or we got to go, you know, on a on a three day getaway, you know, but yeah. it's, it's really not those times. It's the times when we're driving to church. Or, or, or yes. we, we take a little walk down the street, you know, and it, and it might be 15, 30 minutes, whatever it may be. But we make the best of those times. I love that she said that in the show. Yeah. I mean, the best, some of the best times are just going to the grocery store, you know, because it can be stressful going out to eat because she wants the, the she wants the best <laughs> plate. And I'm thinking. That yeah, ain't even half of it, coach. You know what the yeah. problem is when we take our women out to eat? Is that they say, yeah. what do you want to eat? And you tell them, and they go, no, that's not good. And they go back and forth for like an hour. That's why yeah. I'm just like, whatever you want, we'll go. Whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the best times are, are just casual, man, where, I mean, yeah, like you said, just driving somewhere, going to watch our son play or our daughters play. And, yeah, those are the best times. And, you know, sometimes just sitting and, and watching TV and clowning. Some, You know, I, I can't even explain it. Uh it's just the unplanned moments right. are some of the best times. Right. Yeah. I love those times. Coach, let me ask you this, and I got a couple couple more questions. I'll let you go. I know you're a busy man. But uh, what is your coaching philosophy? And I ask this because I've had a lot of guys in here. I've had jujitsu guys, boxers, pastors, evangelists, skateboarders, professionals, whatever it may be. But I always ask, what is their philosophy? And what's your coaching philosophy? Uh, I just want to do everything with toughness, execute with toughness, um, uh, uh, approach life with a level, with a sense of toughness, uh, approach the emotional strain of a game or practices or just executing life with toughness, man. And, 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 and some, some level of, of stick-to-itiveness. So I I would say everything we do is just kind of grimy and tough. I, I don't allow it to... I don't allow it at the beginning to be easy for any of our guys. And then as we get, we gravitate towards the end, it becomes easy because they're used to doing everything like this, you know, with just banging, banging, let's go with a level of toughness because as they leave the program, that's what's going to happen at the next level. Um, So if that makes sense to you, is that what you mean? I mean, I can go into, you know, like, Hey, we like to run and run this offense, but really, yeah, just a level of toughness, man. 
and, and we're because I'm an underdog, man. You know, I don't need to be celebrated. Everybody's trying to celebrate me now. I'm like, man, stop that. You know, <laughs> I'm still gonna go with a level of grimy toughness. Right. Um, I've never been the one that was celebrated. So, you know, there's always a sense to prove something. That's what comes out and it's infused to the players. We gotta do it with toughness. So good. Because Coach. nobody's gonna celebrate us for being the super high flyers or being this or that. Now we got we got some high flyers, but the program's foundation was built on uh, when we first walked through the door. It was like, nah, man, everybody is counting us out. <laughs> we got to, you know what I'm saying? We're going to do it. We're going to go and rebound. We're going to go with toughness. We're going to be strong. We're going to be in better shape. We're going to do, we're going to win the tough way. We're not going to win the pretty way. I don't like prima donnas. So none of our guys are going to walk through the door. And if they do, you're going to get popped in the mouth. If you, you know, Figuratively, you're going to get popped in the mouth if you're a prima donna. Uh, that irritates me the most. A sense of entitlement. Uh, and I think our players are received on campus as well because I tell the guys when they walk through the door, they're like, yeah, I play for East L.A. We we win. Get No, 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 bro. Uh-uh. When you walk on campus, it's no entitlement. You ain't right. – don't be walking in the office thing. I'm on the basketball team. Serve me. Hell no. You stand in the back of the line and you wait and you grind <laughs> it out. Right. You know what I'm saying? In the financial aid office, don't be jumping, hopping lines when you're in the bookstore or at the cafeteria. I was like, bro, you don't do that. That's a sense. Of, you ain't earned the right to not have to stand in line. You know what I'm saying? I was like, no, bro, you guys do everything. There's no sense of entitlement. We do everything with, with toughness. And we built that in our practices so that when they get there on the court, that they can win in any circumstance, in any situation. And then when they leave, they're prepared to handle circumstances. Almost 80 to 90% of our guys say, Coach, some from the Division One level, they're like, Coach, this is way easy compared to what right. you guys have done. And I don't do it, like I said, to be Coach Mosley crazy. It's just to prepare them for the worst case scenario that's going to happen. What's the worst that can happen? Right. You know, and that's, that's really what I want to prepare them for what, is a level of toughness. What a great uh, philosophy. I mean, for, for life, right? I mean that's a great philosophy yes. for life to be tough to be to be prepared for any circumstance that I, I'll be able to overcome. One yes. one point I wanted to bring up, Coach. You know we're we're a little different, right? Brown, mm-hmm. black, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you coaching. You went to Elac, mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. East LA is predominantly Hispanic community. Yeah. The thing I liked about in the show, and I was tripping out, is the guys going to the lunch truck, right? Mm-hmm. Well received yeah. at the lunch yeah. truck, well received during the games. It looked like, mm-hmm. and, and and I like the power of sports. We we kind of mm-hmm. forgot about that with the pandemic and stuff. But the power of sports brings, you know, I'm a huge Raider fan, right? And yeah. I tell I, t- I tell I tell everybody that I never met a Raider fan I didn't like, you know, yeah. white, black, Hispanic, whatever it was. We got we get along, and there's some there was something about in the show that showed that community because i was like right away i was like oh they, they, they don't got no hispanic players i saw when you when they posted a, a a team photo with you in it and you had a hispanic dude right next to you and i remember when yeah. i when i when i played we there was a lot of hispanics at elac rio hondo and yeah. so i was thinking like is there gonna be a little hopefully there won't be a little animosity here but it seemed like the guys were well received in in the school and in the neighborhood yeah, and, and, and like I mentioned, because we don't want to have a 
is there's no sense of entitlement. There's a representation. Okay. Like you guys are here, you're representing the community. And I think it was received, you know, by like yourself and some others. And I've spoken with the alumni and we talked and they were very proud of how the young men, all the guys they represented uh, East LA college, not a sense of entitlement, not a sense that they were too good or too less or that, uh, they really represented ELAC and the, the alumni and everybody around was so proud and it was just well received um, and the outpouring. And we do have a couple guys. We had, you know, one from Shore we, and another one, we actually got a scholarship. He was redshirting uh, Andre, but but uh, we got Sebastian. Uh, he, he's he's with us, but he broke his hand. He was supposed to play, play uh. with us this year, but he broke his hand right before the season, so he redshirted. Uh, but yeah, yeah, uh, the community received us well, man, and we we were so grateful. Um, it wasn't never really a concern because they've always received us, and we've always had a lot of support. And the stands and the fans have come out, and you know the alumni they come to the game, and and that's and the power of sports, right? Yeah, the, the power, power of sports. sports. It just brings everybody together, and it's never man, it's never been an issue here. Uh, and and a lot of times you even forget about it, and when it, in regards to the sports. And the guys, they love the community, man. They they love the community. And they love the interaction and just the interaction with everybody, man. Nice. Um, I gotta tell them, man. Just don't run around here and you know they run around here being savages. And I'm saying, <laughs> man, y'all need to chill, man. You know, I'm sure there's uh, some nice Latina girls that go to that school, yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> nice Latina ladies, and man, I'm like, man, y'all quit running around here. Y'all need Christ, man. Y'all need right. to get married, man. Forget all that. So. Uh, uh, that that's one thing I tell them as well. But no, even myself, man, just around the community, uh, Mosley, what's up? You know, right. the guys are going, they, you know, they go to get haircuts across the street uh, from the campus. So all of the food here, everything, you know, we're, we're part of the culture, the fabric of the culture. Hey, y'all play for Elac? Yeah, you know. It's I got a, like, what's the name of the truck, man? My kids, hey, they rewind that part every time when Marquise was at the truck. He said, you play basketball? You know, was, <laughs> that's hilarious, bro. Really. Hey, I don't know how he do it so quick. He looked yeah. like he said, he went, you play basketball? And he said, you like NBA? <laughs> and uh, Marquise, we was cracking up. My kids, my my daughter, uh, my little daughter, she rewinds that that's like funny. every time she's cracking up when he had the truck. We were cracking up at that song. It was, yeah, it was it, so it, cool. Good, I thought it was so good. You know, and Deshaun too, getting yeah. a haircut from that Hispanic dude. I yeah, mean, it, well, no, they, they so get good. they get all they cuts across the street and around, you know, because they they you know, got to drive far right. before a game. They say, Coach, I'm gonna go get a cut before the game, and they go just right across the street. You know, there's several spots around here they get their cuts at. So yeah. good. All right, Coach. So one thing we do on the on the Street Gospel Podcast before I let you go is we have a, a Furious Five, and yeah. we 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 ask five furious questions really quick. Okay. All right. And uh, short answers, Coach, if you want to elaborate, but you don't have to. We can just give a short answer and get you out of here. I know you're busy today. Question number one on the Furious Five. Greatest hooper of all time? Michael Jordan, but I'm, I grew up Magic Johnson. I'm a Laker. They said I, I was all about assist and passing the ball. So I. It's hard, huh? That's hard. See, between Magic and, and, and Jordan. Okay. But I'm, I'll am i go ahead and take Jordan. Take Jordan. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't hate. I mean, I always say, just like, 
It's uh, Kareem, you know, Jordan, Magic, all in there. But, uh, yeah, man, I got to give Jordan the love, too, on that. Question number two. If you can go back to your playing days and improve one skill, you had one wish and you can improve one skill, whatever you want about your game, what would it have been? It would be shooting. It would be shooting. I, I spent a lot of time at the point guard position and understood it. Uh, but I probably would have had more value on my game if I if I could shoot it better. Uh, as we see now, the three ball is, is, is taking over the game. Right, right. All right, coach. Number three, best place to grub near campus. You know what, man? I call it a heart attack spot, but I still love old school hat, man. Oh, that's I still what I'm talking about, coach. I knew you were going to say that. Hey, I can only go once a month because I'm a little older now. Me too. Me too. I- hey, when I went to Eli, oh, man. Look, I used to work at CVS, Savon's way over there. Savon's. I used to have to walk. <laughs> I would grab me a pastrami, and then I would walk 30 minutes and go all the way to, it was Savon's at the time. Yep, and now it's CVS way over. I think it's on Wilcox or something. Yep. Yeah. That's funny, Coach. I was going to say the same thing, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, chili cheese fries with the pastrami on top. Oh, I throw pickles on that. Oh, yeah. Chili cheese, yeah. fries. I throw pickles. I throw uh, tomatoes. Oh, yeah. Yellow peppers. Yeah. Everything, Coach. Everything. everything. I, I'm, man, see, we, I mean, we yeah, disconnect right here, Coach. This is, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Number four. Favorite scripture. Who? that's a tough one. Uh, but I think something that stuck with me when I was going through a hard time, uh, I was getting off a plane and the lady, I guess she can see it. And so this has been sticking with me for the last several years. And, and I, I, I was so burdened because I was like, what am I doing? Lord, what do you have for me? And this old, old white lady just walked past me and said, and she saw me as I was just kind of like sitting there on the plane. And she says, from Jeremiah, she says, for I know the plan I have for you, plans to prosper you and that you will not fail. And I looked at this lady. She said, I don't know you, but I just want to tell you something. The Bible says, for I, God says, I know the plans I have for you. And literally she was walking and tears came down in my eyes. And so wow. God, no matter how it looks, he's got a plan for each and every one of us and our lives are predestined. And it can look bleak. And I don't care. You may get to your end, but God has a plan for you. He won't give you more than you can bear. And he's showing me now that everything that's going on, it was orchestrated. I couldn't see it 10 years ago. I thought everything was like, what the hell am I doing? Why am I at East L.A.? What, Lord, I'm supposed to be at UCLA as the head. What is going on? For he knows the plans he has for you. To give you a hope in the future. Yep. Yes. It's good, coach. Last one, coach. Number five, tell the truth, coach. Have you ever cussed out a player or a referee in your entire career? Yeah. Heck yeah. Because <laughs> on, oh, yeah. on the show, you know, that was the that was the running joke right there. You, yeah. you were cussing without cussing, which was pretty yeah. amazing. Well, well, in terms of the swear words, I I'm I have done a good job. I've I've never cursed at a at an official. But in terms of kind of cursing them out, yeah, but I've never cursed. Um, I think in my nine years at East L.A. College, I may have said, I slipped and may have said four curse words. Wow. In nine years. So 
that was, that was something it wasn't like I was watching the garden myself for the film. That's something that I've been cognizant about. That's that is true. That is nice. true. Um, and I want to clear something up, man, because <laughs> everybody's giving me all these compliments. I am not perfect. I am going to probably fail in the next five minutes. I may walk out the door here and right. fail. So right. I want everybody to know that. Oh, he's such a man of God. He's man. I'm not perfect. You know, yeah. and my wife has got to keep me in check. So I just want to clear that up. Especially yeah. in that L.A. traffic. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it definitely not going to be perfect, man. I You're think right, I, right. I, I, one day I was I was driving and somebody cut me off. And, uh, and I was like, hey, man. I was yelling. I was yelling. Dude had tinted windows, rolls down his window. It was a brother from the church, man. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, coach. I, I appreciate you coming out, man. Um, definitely was a, a pleasure to have you. Definitely was a pleasure to have you uh, uh, on the show and, and to really represent not only, you know, for Christ, but, you know, for the area, for L.A., uh, for the community of East L.A. College. I mean, you really showed a lot, Coach, and uh, uh, you taught us a lot, too. I mean, it, it, to care, just to care for people, to not worry about uh, how we feel, but where are they coming from? Their circumstances. How, how? What's wrong with them today? When, when they come into work, when they come to school, when they come into the church, it's not all about us. It's like, why are they acting like that? Or, or you know, what happened to them? You know, so the care, coach, that was that was huge. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, man. I mean, that's the biggest thing, man. We need to go get them and not sit back and say, hey, look what we got for you. Come and get it. You know, we need to go get them and understand their story and we need to pull them until they can get through and see the light at the end of the tunnel. Once they see it, they say, oh, this is what you're trying to get me to see. I don't want to turn back. But sometimes it takes a while to get them all the way through and to the other side. Once they get to the other side, most cases, in most cases, they don't turn back and they finally get it. So um, we may have to pull them and drag them along the way. But that's, it. Um, that's what I'm called to do. I'm not asking everybody to do it. Your job may be... Hey, go be a CEO of a company and donate a million dollars. So I'm just in the trenches. If you say you want to be in the trenches and do it, then this is what I do. I'm not I'm not calling I'm not calling the world out to do what I do. Right. Right. We're all called to do something. Just gotta do yes. it. Appreciate you, coach. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Yo, that'll conclude this episode of the Street Gospel Podcast with Coach John Mosley. Uh check us out. Street Gospel, man. We out.